0: You have your Bibles, turn to first Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen. Love is joyful. Now that, that's true. When you think of love, you think of one of two things. You either think of woo bliss, joy, woo or you think of the opposite side, which is Ugh. In fact, much of the songs, most of the songs, especially the songs of my teenage years, were built around the premise that love is not necessarily joyful, but love hurts. I don't know the rest of the song. That's all I know. What? Y'all know it. Sing it. Okay, you won't. All right. right. But, But the songs are built around the idea that Oh, it was a good thing gone bad. Or uh, most of the country songs. uh, And y'all, I I gotta say, I love country music. I I I love it. And uh, uh, not as much not as much as I love like you know ZZ Top. uh, Because every girl's crazy about a sharp dressed man, (laughs) right? Huh? Right? Uh, There was actually a wedding I did. On Friday, and the walkout song was "Every Girl's Crazy About a Sharp-Dressed Man." <laughs> Sad to say, I knew every word to that song, <laughs> and it wasn't because I watched Duck Dynasty either. Uh, but most of the most of the songs of my teenage years, most of the love songs, especially country music, it's about it's about getting your heart broke. It's about how love's gone bad. You know, Willie Nelson made a living singing about. Uh, I'd have to be crazy, plumb out of my mind, to fall out of love with you. Hey, 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 hey. Now that was that was a pretty good Willie. That was not bad Willie. Of course, Willie's easy to do, right? Uh, but but you know we we have this idea that love. Uh, hurts, or love has pain attached to it, and, and that may be true, but the kind of love that, that we need to saturate our hearts is a love that produces a satisfying joy through every season. and we want a love that that, uh, that moves us beyond uh, the pain of a circumstance and leads us to a powerful joy. That satisfies our soul. Love is joyful. Love is joyful, and it satisfies us. But but when we look at uh, what, why love is joyful, it comes back to this one theme that continually um, comes up when we're looking at First Corinthians thirteen, and that is, the way we love others is a picture of our closeness to Christ. Our, our closeness to Christ is. It is displayed by how we love. And I've got to tell you, if we're going to find joy in our relationships, it's it's because we're close to Christ. The closer we are to Christ, the more joy we have, the better we love others, the closer we are to Christ. Do you see the connection? When we're close to Christ, we love others in a way that by its very nature must produce joy. Joy, a joy that is satisfying. Hey, you remember First uh, Corinthians 13, Paul is talking to the church accordingly. He's trying to get them on the right track when it comes to love. They had all these gifts. Had, they did church really well, but here's the problem. They didn't love each other. Let's stop for a second. Everybody pay attention here. First Baptist Church Norfolk does church very well. But do we love each other? And I've got to tell you, if we listen very closely to what Paul wrote, he said, you can do all the church stuff you want. You can have all the greatest gifts in the world. You can, you can do all these wonderful things. But if you do not love, then you're zero. It's nothing. Folks, we need to hear this. We must do a better job at loving each other. You might say, well, we're a loving church. And I would say, yes, we are. But we're not perfect yet. We haven't achieved it yet. We need to do a better job of loving each other. After all, that's what Christ told us to do, isn't it? John 13, by by the time we're through with this, y'all are going to have some of these verses in your heart. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. The way we love others demonstrates our closeness in following Jesus. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when he said that it's the greatest commandment, all the religious people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes and we, we get it. Yes, we're supposed to love God supremely. Yes, that makes sense. But then Jesus added this curveball to the religious people of his day maybe a curveball to us. He said, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second liken to it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, love, uh, loving others, it's not optional for us. It's not some tangent that we can look at every now and then. It's not, it's not some ooey-gooey feeling that we get in a moment after we hear a particular song. No, love is a choice that we make. And my prayer is today we choose to walk closely with Christ so that we love others the way he's loved us. See, First John four ten and 11, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he gave his son as the payment price for our sin. Beloved, if God has loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. And by the way, that one another is not always easy. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is not referring, Paul is not merely referring, John is not merely referring to the one another's that are easy to love. There are some one another's that aren't so easy to love. And we are to love them in the same way Christ has loved us. So that's the journey that we've been on, and we've looked at how we can love others the way Christ has loved us. Today, what we're going to see, first and foremost, in verse 6, and we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, we're going to see, first and foremost, that love um, love uh, finds joy in the right things in relationship with the other. Uh, Here's what Paul says. Paul says, Paul writes, now he's been, uh, love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't boast, love doesn't uh, uh, envy, love's not proud, puffed up, it's not arrogant, love's not rude. Um, and so, so he's gone through that, but now he says, and now love, um, what does it say? Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love rejoices in the truth. Now, what's he talking about? He's painting for us a picture of what love finds joy in. Delight. That term for delight is a term for joy. It literally is the Greek term for joy, rejoice. So love rejoices in a particular way. Love finds joy in a particular place, in a particular thing. And it's described as uh, not in wrongdoing, but in the truth, the right things. If I could kind of paint this picture for you, we're gonna go back to core value number two. If you remember, hey how you doing, bro? Fist bump. Yeah. All right. Um, if you remember when we talked about core, our first core was John chapter seventeen, verses one through five. Jesus said, The Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son might also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you. I have finished the work you have given me to do. I have glorified you on the earth. Now, what's Jesus talking about? He's saying, Jesus sa- said, I, You know, I came to bring God glory. And as Jesus lived for God's glory, our core value, our very first uh, desire and design as a church and as a follower of Christ is we will live for God's glory. That's why we live. We live for God's glory. We live for His honor. Then the second uh, core value that we have as a church is is uh, uh, comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul says, or writes, therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent, dead or alive, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, being God. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, give an answer for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we also are convinced that we are persuasive in your presence also. So what's Paul talking about there? He says, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to God. Our core value is we find our greatest pleasure in God's pleasure. Not in our pleasure, in God's pleasure. We find our greatest pleasure in what brings joy to the heart of God. We find our greatest joy in God's greatest joys. So when we are looking at this principle of love, uh, love finds joy in the right things. We're saying we're 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 going to find great joy in relationships as those relationships pursue that which brings God joy. I have I have four daughters. I have a wife. I have friends. I have I have a church and and and. What Paul is saying and what God is calling us to do is we need to focus our attention and our delights in relationship on that which delights God. If you remember, we looked at this, and and, and so I'm going to try to apply, uh, we're going to find pleasure in that which brings God pleasure, or or we're going to live to make God smile, and we're going to look at this in, in the aspect of our loving relationships. First, what brings God pleasure? Well, salvation brings God pleasure. So I'm going to find my greatest joy in the salvation of the one I love. Why? Because that's what delights the heart of God. And we can delight in a lot of things in our relationships. And when I was growing up, I had I had uh, three brothers, and my parents had great delight uh, when my three brother, brothers uh, modeled my obedience to them. <laughs> Did I say that too quick? Or was that just so unbelievable that... No, my, 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 my parents had great joy when we, you know, we picked up our room and... And we, we mopped the floor when they told us to mop the floor. They had great joy in that. They, they had great joy in our accomplishments at school. Uh, yeah, I was a pretty good student, uh, except for conduct grades. Do, do, we, do they still get conduct grades? I got conduct grades, and they were not so great. And I remember coming home one day with uh, conduct grades, and I had all A's, okay, all A's. Um, and, and, and yet my conduct grades... There, was, there were uh, not satisfactories. No, there were needs improvement. N was need improvement and U was unsatisfactory. S was satisfactory. And all across the bottom of that conduct grade was N-U-N-S. N-U-N-S. And maybe an N-U-U-N-S. I, again, I was an active child. I remember coming home with my report card, and my mom, mom, mom looked at that, and she said, this is unacceptable. I said, what? What's unacceptable? I got all A's. She said, she said look at these conduct grades. I said, yeah, but I'm good at home. I thought as long as I got all those A's that it would, you know, kind of make up for the conduct grades. Now, by the way, my behavior, my conduct at school uh, changed later on uh, because I, uh, by the time I was in seventh or eighth grade, uh, playing on the football team or basketball team or running track um, or baseball team, uh, you, uh, if you got bad uh, conduct grades, uh, then you got licks. Y'all remember when they gave licks in school? I do too. And I I vowed uh, that I was not going to let that happen. But my parents, my parents were pleased with my A's. They weren't so pleased with my Uh, N-U-U-U-N-S. But, you know, they took delight in those things. But do you know the thing that I remember most about my childhood days? I remember most that day when I was kneeling in front of the church with my dad. My dad's hand on my shoulder, his voice in my ear. I can feel the warmth of his breath on my neck. I could feel the tears down his cheeks as he led me to embrace Jesus Christ as my Savior. I remember it like it was yesterday. Because my parents delighted in the salvation of their son. A love that is joyful is going to take delight in the salvation of those who are the object of our love. And this comes from Luke chapter 15 verse 7 verse 10 where Jesus says, I, I'm here to tell you that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 just people who need no repentance. You say, man, heaven throws a party. And God leads that party when someone comes to faith in Christ. So in our relationships, we find joy in our relationships when we focus and delight in the right thing, the salvation of that person. If you remember, we were talking about uh, those things that bring God pleasure. There were three categories, salvation of sinners. The second category was obedience to God. And again, this was a broad category and, and, and... and yet it is so important in our relationships that we take delight we find joy when those we love are obedient to God. I don't think I need to belabor this but here again I think it's important for us to see the difference as parents at least and let me talk about a parent. My, 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 now my second daughter is graduating from high school. She's going off uh, to Christopher Newport University, and today's the day of that graduation thing. And, and uh, it's going to be a great and awesome, scary, frightening, tear-filled day for me and for, for, for Mama. But I, I certainly wanted my children to obey me as Dad. I did. I really did. And, and it, it would be dis, disingenuous for me to say I didn't want them to obey me. But I wanted, I wanted something more than just their obedience to me. That will last them as long as i 'm near. I wanted to put in their heart a better obedience, a greater obedience i wanted I wanted them to think about that which is obedient to God. Um, so every day I drop them off at school and or when they 're hanging out or whatever they 're doing and and here is what their mother and I would say. Make God smile today. Live for His pleasure. Not remember that you're my daughter and I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church Norfolk and if you mess up, then it's going to shame me. They've never heard that from me or from their mother. And they never will. Not even that, oh, you know, you need to you need to get in line because I'm your old daddy. They might have heard me say it like that, but not in that context. But, no, I, I, want, I want Elizabeth to go to Christopher Newport University with this burning in her heart. I'm going to live for God's pleasure. I'm going to be obedient to God. That will take care of obedience to me any day of the week. So in our love relationships, when we love others, we're looking for their obedience to God. And third, we're looking for their brokenness before God. See, because I was not perfect in my obedience and, and will not be perfect in my obedience, there is something else that brings delight to the heart of God, and that is my brokenness over my sin. And so in the people that we love... When they are broken over their sin, we should delight in that. Now, that leads to what Paul breaks down. When, when we look at verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, he says, Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoings. Love doesn't rejoice in in wrongdoings. It does not delight or it refuses to delight in the misfortune of others. Now here's the picture of the term. Uh, your, your translation may not be wrongdoing. It may be iniquity. It could be injustice. It's a Greek term that has a pretty wide range of meaning, and it means anything from breaking a speed limit law to breaking one of the Ten Commandments Moving outside the will of God. But it can also mean misfortune that happens to you. Not just what you do, but what happens to you. All right, so it has that big, wide range of meaning. And So here's the way I, I think of verse 6. There are two types of crazy in our life. There's the crazy that chooses us, and there's a crazy that that we choose. The crazy that chooses us is something like uh, what happened in Moore, Oklahoma. Tornadoes come and create havoc and carnage and chaos. There's nobody in Moore, Oklahoma that chose that crazy, but that crazy chose them. Misfortune fell on them. It's the crazy that happens in your life when when someone that you love behaves in a way that is demeaning, disrespectful, disparaging to you. There's a crazy that chooses us that's out of our control. We didn't choose it. It chose us. And then there's a crazy that we choose. The crazy that we choose is every time we choose to walk outside the will of God. It's when we choose to do that which God does not desire us to do. When we're disobedient to him, when we sin against him. So as we look at this idea of wrongdoing, what, we're, what we see is we see a friend or a, 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 a wife or a son or a daughter. We, we, see, uh, we see someone that we love and maybe crazy has chosen them. Because the wind is blowing so hard and the slope has become slippery in their life, they've fallen. Crazy has chosen them. And we're supposed to love them the way Christ has loved us. And really, I think when Paul is talking about it, if, if this is the nuance that he's giving this, this term, adikia, uh, if, if that's the nuance, then, then really what he's addressing in the church at Corinth was you guys bite and devour one another. Someone, someone falls on hard times and you delight over it. it it's it's um, Red Skelton comedy or Jerry Lewis comedy or Robin Williams comedy or ridiculousness on MTV or America's Funniest Home Videos Somebody gets punched in the nose and we belly laugh. (laughs) That may be funny in comedy, but that's not what love does. Paul was telling the church at Corinth, look, there are people that are sliding down that slippery slope. That crazy has chosen them. And all you can do is sit back and laugh at them. Think about how they deserve that or they have it coming to them. You stand back and you you kind of with a smug little super spiritual pharisaical kind of attitude say if they were better people that wouldn't happen to them. And yet we say we're close to Christ and I say no you're not. Because love does not delight in that kind of crazy choosing someone we love. But suppose suppose it, it's not the crazy that has chosen them, but maybe it's the crazy they've chosen. And, and, and this is where really religious people get really even more mm, ugly. See, it's somebody that is... Chosen crazy. Chosen to sin against God. Walked a path that's contrary to what God desires. They've been broken by their sin. And instead of of walking alongside them and saying, You know, you've chosen crazy, but I'm here to help. We come alongside them and say, "You've chosen crazy, and so I'm going to spread it all over the church how crazy you are. I'm going to feel so good about myself. I'm going to feel so superior in my own saintliness by talking about how bad you are. We say we're close to Christ, and I say, no, we're not. Love takes no joy in the wrongdoing of others. Whether it's crazy that's chosen them or crazy that they've chosen. Love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And and that means that that, uh, love delights in the right things shaping the heart of the one that we love. So we, we see someone who, who has, has, has had crazy choose them and, and so what we look for is how in the world can we allow the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel itself, the truth of God to take hold of their heart in the midst of that slippery slope chaotic life to bring them strength and encouragement, hope and healing in the midst of that moment. Instead of standing with saintliness uh, on the side like one of the the religious people that passed by the good Samaritan, uh, passed by the man who fell among things, we're going to be like the good Samaritan who actually displayed the love of Christ, walk over to the person on the slippery slope and say, Hey, listen, I believe that God, through Christ, is going to take this event and help you and grow you and encourage you and strengthen you. And I want to be there while that's happening. Will you take my hand and walk with me? Will you let me pick you up and carry you? Oh, I love you. And in the same way, when we see someone we love who are choosing crazy, they've chosen the crazy, they've chosen the rebellion, they've chosen the disobedience to God, and they too are are, are just laid out. And we had the opportunity to view them through the lens of God's glorious rescuing love, the gospel itself, the truth of God. And we walk alongside them and say, hey, listen, you are going off a cliff. But I'm your friend and I love you. Can I help you not go off the cliff? And they punch you in the nose and they jump off the cliff And we're tempted to stand there in our smug spirit. Well, I gave it a good try. No. Love doesn't stand on the edge of the cliff and look and gaze down at that person. Love climbs down the cliff to the person broken by their own sin. And kneels down beside them and says, It is but for the grace of God that I would be right here with you, broken like you are. But I love you. Can I help you now? I believe that God is going to take this crazy that you've chosen and the brokenness that you're under, and he is going to make you closer to Christ, and he's going to give you encouragement and strength and help and hope and healing. And I want to be with you. Here, will you take my hand and let me walk with you? I love you. Do you? Do you love others like that? Today, you and I have a choice. See, if the path that you're on in your relationships right now is not joyful, don't blame it on the other person. Don't blame it on them. See, joy is not dependent upon how they choose to love you. Joy is dependent upon how we choose to love them. So if you're on a path right now in a relationship and it is not producing joy, it's not headed where you need for it to head, then choose a different path today. Make the change. Choose to love. Them the way Christ loves you without any expectation of reciprocation on their part at all. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love takes delight in the truth. Will you join me in making a commitment to love each other the way Christ has loved us?